Beddingfeld here. While growing up in the sleepy village of Little Hamsley, I adored the cinema, where I dreamed of adventure. I thrilled to the adventures depicted in The Perils of Pamela. Little did I dream that I would soon star in the real-life adventure of my own. And, just like Pamela at the end of each episode, I would be in tremendous danger. In real life, it's not a bit fun. I'd been standing at the rail of the ship late at night when I was seized from behind by an unknown attacker intent on hurling me overboard. Artists Ensemble Theatre presents Mysterious Journey Theatre for the Mind. From Agatha Christie, this is The Man in the Brown Suit, Part 6, Abducted. struggled wildly as my feet left the deck. In another moment, I should be forced over the rail and go plummeting down into the sea. Let her go! <coughs> Are you hurt? <coughs> Anne! No. Damn, he's getting away. And then, Mr. Rayburn, my rescuer, tore off in pursuit of my attacker. I hate being left behind. I got to my feet and staggered after them, placing a distant third. As I rounded the corner, I nearly tripped over a body. An unconscious man lay in a crumpled heap with Mr. Rayburn looming over him. Did you... did you kill him? No. I I caught him, threw one punch, and he went down. Who is he? Let's have a look. Mr. Padgett! My God! You seem surprised. I'm stunned! Didn't you know who you were chasing? Too dark. Didn't you see who was trying to hurl you overboard? He was behind me. I never saw him at all. (gasps) Quick! Into the lounge before he comes to. Shouldn't we summon the purser? No. Why? I may have punched the wrong chap. Surely not. I could have sworn the fellow I was chasing was bigger than poor Paget. But what was Paget doing here at this hour? I don't know. What are you doing here? Me? How do you fit into this business? And how much do you know? More than you think, Tom Lucas. You... How do you know that name? Isn't it yours? Or perhaps you'd prefer the man in the brown suit? Are you a girl or a witch? I'm a friend. Truly, I'd like to help. No, I've learned my lesson about trusting a woman. Perhaps you don't realise that you're in my power? One word from me to the captain. You're the one in danger, you fool. Oh, so now I'm a fool. Yes, and I'm a desperate man. Don't you realise I could take you by the throat right now and throttle the life out of you? (laughs) You could, but you won't. For a moment, we stared at one another. (laughs) No, I won't. For the present. Interesting that you shrink from a second murder. Second murder? The woman at Millhouse. Nadina. You know about Nadina? I know a great deal. I might well have killed her if I'd gotten there in time. Lord knows I hated her. Jealousy scorched through me. He must have loved Nadina once to have felt like that. Well, I think we've said all there is to be said. Except good night. By the way, I've repaid my debt to you. I said I would. Thank you. You see how easily I spoke those words? It's not difficult. Listen, you could have been killed just now. It was pure luck I saw you. Stay clear of this business, Miss Beddingfeld. (laughs) How funny! You think you can give orders to me? Au revoir, Mr Lucas. And with that, I turned and walked away. As I did, I heard him whisper a single word into the darkness. Which... Dear Diary, 
It is such a relief to be going ashore. During the voyage, I felt positively smothered by a network of intrigue swirling about me. Most uncomfortable. Then, to top it off, Guy Pageant apparently engaged in a drunken brawl on our last night at sea. He had the effrontery to appear this morning with one eye swollen shut and turning all the colours of the rainbow. Paget's story was extraordinarily tangled, but the gist of it seems to be that he caught sight of some fellow behaving suspiciously. What the devil does that mean? He was slinking along in a very furtive manner in the middle of the night. And why, I should like to know, were you skulking about at that hour? I'd been coding all your cables, Sir Eustace. It took hours. Oh, very well, don't be a martyr. What happened? I glimpsed a man leaving the passage near your cabin. Right away I suspected something amiss. Why? It was the secretive manner in which the man looked about him. Oh, for... Never mind. Go on. He slunk up the stairs, and I followed. My dear Paget, some chap goes on deck for a breath of air, and right away you concoct a conspiracy. If you annoyed some poor devil suffering from insomnia, I don't wonder he planted you a facer. But, Sir Eustace, there are only two cabins that open off that passage. Yours and Colonel Race's. Race can look after himself without your help. For that matter, so can I. Sir Eustace, I believe, I am almost positive, the man was Rayburn. Rayburn? What twaddle? His cabin's on the port side, nowhere near mine. I suspect he'd had a secret meeting with Colonel Race. For orders. Absurd. If they wished to meet, there was no need to do so in secret. Or they could have hobnobbed over tea any time they liked. Something was going on, Sir Eustace. Or why should Rayburn assault me? You're quite sure it was Rayburn? Oh, yes, Sir Eustace. And, to top it off, he's gone. What do you mean, gone? It's a ship. There's nowhere to go. He's not in his cabin. He's not on deck, or in the dining room, or the lounge, or... Yes, got it. You can't locate Rayburn. Perhaps he's found some feminine companionship, and, uh, if he has, good for him. Stay out of it, Patchett. Mark my words, Sir Eustace. Mr. Rayburn is not what he seems. Splendid. One of my secretaries is a man of mystery, and the other resembles a prize-fighter who was roundly defeated in his last bout. The sun's barely up, and so far it has been a wretched morning. I cannot wait to disembark. I cannot wait to disembark. I got up frightfully early and hurried all the way forward to the bow, where, strictly speaking, passengers were not allowed. But I didn't care. I was so excited for my first glimpse of South Africa. Fleecy clouds hovered above Table Mountain, while far below, by the sea, the sleeping town was gilded with morning sunlight. It was magical. I felt that, at last, I'd found what I'd been searching for ever since I left Little Hampsley. A shining new world with new horizons. Suddenly I realised I was not alone. A man joined me at the rail. Good morning, Miss Beddingfeld. Good morning. I want to apologise for the way I spoke last night. Will you forgive me? Of course. Shall we shake hands and forget it? I can't forget it. Miss Beddingfield... As we've each of us saved the other's life, I think you might call me Anne. Anne? And what name shall I call you? Tom? No. Harry will do. All right. Harry? Look, you're mixed up in a dangerous business. Oh, I know. You can't possibly. Please, leave it alone. After all, it, it doesn't concern you. If you don't, you'll be in danger. Look what happened last night. I know what happened last night, Harry. I was there. Why are you warning me off? It's the last thing I can do for you. 
this next hour is going to be a bit dicey for me. Once on shore, I shall be all right, but I may not make it that far. What? Why? You're not the only one aboard who knows I'm the man in the brown suit. If you think I told... I don't. There's a man on board who's known all along. He's only got to speak in my numbers up. All the same, I'm taking a chance that he won't. Why won't he? Because he prefers to play a lone hand. If I'm locked up, I'm no use to him. Free, I might be. If I can avoid arrest for the next hour and slip ashore... Oh, Harry. Well, in any case, I... I don't suppose you and I shall meet again. I suppose not. Anne. Yes? Nothing. Goodbye. Good luck, Harry. He gripped my hand, hard, then turned abruptly and left. I heard his footsteps echoing on the deck. I felt I should hear them always. Footsteps, going out of my life. All ashore for Cape Town, South Africa. I did not enjoy disembarking. While I dealt with the ridiculous formalities required by bureaucracies, I was on pins and needles that, at any moment, the alarm would sound and Harry would be taken into custody. But after an hour came and went with no uproar, I decided it was a heavenly day. Suzanne and I checked into her luxurious suite. We'd agreed that I would follow the false Reverend Chichester, so I'd be reboarding the ship when it travelled on to Durban the following morning. Meanwhile, I was in a foreign country and life was splendid. Dear Tyree, I am in the devil of a mess. After checking to my hotel, I met with the Prime Minister and delivered Augustus Milton's damned secret papers. The seal was intact, no sign of tampering, but the papers inside were entirely blank. And I know perfectly well who will get the blame. Oh, Sir Eustace. Why I let that fool Milton embroil me in this matter, I can't think. It's hardly your fault. Exactly. It must have been Rayburn. You're unhinged about Rayburn. Where is the fellow, anyway? Wasn't he supposed to be guarding those damn secret papers? Ah, but was he? After all, Sir Eustace, Mr. Rayburn presented no credentials. You have only his word that he was referred by Mr. Milton. You think Harry Rayburn is some sort of imposter? If not, where is he? I just asked you that. Mr. Rayburn was not with us when we disembarked, nor has he checked into the hotel. Good Lord, the fellow's done a bunk. It appears that way, Sir Eustace. The matter must be investigated. I must it. If I have been played for a fool, I have no wish to broadcast it. Have no fear. I shall take charge. Paget bustled off to the police station, sent cables, and summoned a herd of English and Dutch officials to drink whiskies and sodas at my expense. Sir Eustace, we have received a reply from Mr. Milton. And? He knows nothing about any person calling himself Harry Rayburn, and most certainly did not send him to you. Damn. Far be it from me to say that I told... You'd better not. I see only one course of action. Since I'm off to Rhodesia, you, Paget, shall remain here to aid the authorities. But... but your correspondence, your cables... I shall manage. If they do find Rayburn, you'll be needed to identify him. But... Oh, very well. Your private train car will be attached to the train departing tomorrow morning at eleven o'clock. Excellent. Will Mrs. Blair be bringing a maid? Mrs. Blair? She informed me that you offered her a place in your car. No, I... God, so I did, on the night of the masquerade. But I never dreamed she'd take me up on it. A delightful woman, but there are times when women are confoundedly in the way. 
I didn't invite anyone else, did I? Mrs. Blair was quite certain you had asked Colonel Race as well. I must have been drunk if I invited Race. Take my advice, Paget, and let your black eye be a warning to you. Don't go on the bust again. On the bust? I have never... It's no good denying it while you're still sporting that shiner. But I... I shall require a temporary secretary to fill in for you, preferably one without a black eye. I'd like a youngish girl with large, liquid eyes who is adept at patting my hand and cooing sympathetically. I shall engage an efficient secretary. No doubt you'll stick me with some no-nonsense harpy. I wonder if Miss Beddingfield would like a job. She, she once mentioned that she knows how to use a typewriter. I believe Miss Beddingfield is travelling on to Durban. Oh, too bad. Charming girl. South Africa was heavenly. The sun, the air, the flowers. When I thought of Little Hampsley in January, with the freezing rain and knee-deep mud, I hugged myself with delight. Suzanne was less thrilled. Darling, please don't ask me to summon enthusiasm before breakfast. Take pity on me, gypsy girl, and ring for room service. After coffee, Suzanne revived and began searching for her face cream, while I hung out the window, which had a magnificent view of Table Bay. Did you see Mr. Paget this morning? I caught a glimpse as we checked in. He's got a spectacular black eye. What do you suppose he's been up to? He tried to push me overboard last night. What? I brought Suzanne up to date on last night's adventure. And here I thought I'd got the soft job, following Sir Eustace and Paget, And you'd have all the fun trailing Chichester. Now I'm not so sure. I do hope Paget won't decide to push me off the train some dark night. If the worst happens, I'll wire your husband and let him know. That reminds me. I need to send a cable to Clarence. Let me see. What shall I say? Be a dear Anne and take this down. Implicated in the most thrilling mystery. Stop. Please send a thousand pounds at once. Stop. All my love, Suzanne. It would be cheaper if you eliminated a few words. What words? Well, you could cut all my love at once, please. Oh, no, I couldn't eliminate please. That would be rude. No, send it as is. Oh, wait, add a postscript. P.S. Enjoying myself hugely. I sent off Suzanne's cable to the long-suffering Clarence. She was meeting old friends for luncheon, so I was on my own. I explored the shady streets and discovered a place that made the most divine ice cream sodas. I returned to the hotel to learn I'd missed a call. For me? Odd. I don't know anyone in Cape Town. It's from Herr Kruger, miss. Curator of the Iziko Museum. Evidently he saw your name on the passenger list in today's paper and wondered if you were, perhaps, related to Professor Beddingfeld. Oh, I see. Thank you. I'll ring him back straight away. Kruger, guten Tag. Herr Kruger, hello. This is Anne Beddingfeld. Professor Beddingfeld was my father. Ah, Fräulein Beddingfeld. It is most gracious that you returned my call. My wife and I were very much saddened to hear of the passing of your papa. You're very kind. And we hoped that you would take tea with us this afternoon at our villa. I should be delighted. Wunderbar. After giving directions, he rang off. I was so glad to hear that Papa was remembered fondly, even though I foresaw that I'd be condemned to a private tour of the museum. 
To most people, this would be a treat, but I'd been force-fed anthropology from birth. I put on my best hat, a cast-off from Suzanne and very dashing, and started off after lunch. I caught a train to Musenberg, a nearby beach town where the Krugers resided. It was far too early for tea, so I wandered to the beach and beheld a perfectly entrancing spectacle. People were riding to shore atop short, curved boards. I made straight for the bathing pavilion, and when they asked if I'd like to rent a surfboard along with a bathing costume, I said, yes, please. It looked wonderfully easy. It's not. I fell off repeatedly and lost my temper and said very unladylike words. Then, quite by accident, I caught a wave and had a marvellous ride, emerging from the sea quite delirious with happiness. After that, it was tea time. I got dressed, found the Kruger's villa and rang. The door was opened by a small man with a shock of red hair that was very nearly orange. Yes, miss? Good afternoon. Miss Beddingfell to see Herr Kruger. Of course, you are expected. This way, please. I was ushered into the library where Herr Kruger greeted me. Fräulein Beddingfeld, it is a great honour to welcome you to our home. Thank you. I... I'm sorry. You seem so... Have we met? What do you think, Fräulein? I think I've made a terrible mistake coming here, Reverend Chichester. My, my, my. Aren't you a clever little minx? (laughs) The Man in the Brown Suit was adapted from Agatha Christie's novel. Part 7, The Train to Rhodesia, is next. The cast features Sarah Waddle as Anne, with Ian Garthwaite, Russell Constance, Stephen F. Vertle, Margaret Rather, and David A. Gingrich. When stages around the world went dark, Artist Ensemble Theatre began producing Theatre for the Mind. If you can, please consider donating to AET or become a patron by pledging monthly. Learn more at artistensemble.org. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>